It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We've a packed show for you over the next couple of hours, so let's get straight to business. My first guests today have enjoyed a whirlwind couple of weeks. Valerie and Noel Morn picked up major personal business awards and sold their company prepaid financial services for $327 million to publicly listed Australian concern EML Payments. So where to from here for the Meath-based couple? Well, we're going to find out now because they're in the hot seats on late lunch. Nolan Valerie, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. us. Congratulations to oh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you very this much. This is such a wonderful story. Noel, I think of the, the uh, old analogy from uh, little acorns do great oak trees grow. <laughs> and that probably sums up, doesn't it, you two? Oh, yeah, it's probably a probably fair comment. All right, say. we obviously started off with nothing and we've grown it up over the last 12 years. So it's been a very good success story. Now, the the sale, the confirmation of the sale. I was just thinking back the last time the two of you were was I know you've been in individually and together as well. And I'm nearly sure I asked you last time round, if an offer ever came along, would you? What did you say to me, Valerie? I can't remember. Well, we did say that you have to know at some point you have to know when to exit and that we were looking to float at the time. I think when we came here yes. we were talking about floating the company, which didn't uh, really go uh, to plan because obviously you know with the uncertainty with Brexit so we had to change our plan basically but um, at the time when you did ask the question we never said we were never going to sell what we said is that if the right partner came along and obviously the right amount came along we would consider and that is history at this stage. You know, in a process like this, something like this, obviously, Noel, doesn't happen overnight. How, how long has this been going on behind the scenes? Yeah, so it actually happened fairly quickly, to be honest, Jerry. I suppose we really started getting down to business with EML in August, really, only in August. Really? Yeah, it was really only in August. Yeah. End of July, uh, they started talking to us, but the business end of things happened in August. And to be honest, there was over and back and obviously there was a lot of negotiating and really it was in September um, when we probably agreed terms with them and then they come in and they do their due diligence. So that's what's been going on for the last seven or eight weeks. So in hindsight, it was actually closed down pretty quickly once we agreed the financial terms with them and they had um, they had a target to hit. They actually had their EGM in um, Australia last week, actually. 
uh, or sorry, the week before when it was announced. So I suppose that gave us focus that we had to close prior to that. Or if not, it could have dragged on for another three or four months or maybe not happened at all. You never know. So there was fair focus on hitting that date and we were adamant we were going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have at this stage. How does that approach happen? Is it on a phone call? Is there an intermediary? You know, were you, did you make it known out there that you were, you know, available? No, I suppose the starting point, as Valerie Sal said, was the listing. You know, we had intended to list and that was always the plan. So we had put a lot of work into that and we'd appointed brokers. Uh, so the brokers were appointed for the listing. We had done an awful lot of work, but Brexit and all the uncertainty around that meant we had to put it on hold. And then when we put it on hold, you know, some of the uh, entities that the brokers were talking to came back and said, well, listen, if they're not going to list, you know, would they have a chat with us? Would they be interested in selling all of the business? Um, and that's how it came about, to be honest. There were three or four parties that came to the table then. Um, we said, OK, well, sure, let's see what it's worth and get some offers. So we got a couple of different offers and we eventually agreed uh, terms with EML. We're a better fit with EML than we were with some of the others, to be honest. So once we agreed the terms, as I said, it probably happened fairly quickly from that. And we made up our mind and agreed to sell. So, you know, you have to know when the timing is right as well, mm-hmm. too, and try and get out it. Uh, yeah, the timing is everything, as you know. Mm. I, I don't have to tell you two that as well with your story, <laughs> which we heard about, of course, marvellous as it is. You, 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 you've benefited, of course, hugely from it, but your staff have as well, Valerie. Yes, they have. I mean, at some point, because we knew what the plan was to exit the business, instead of having two people benefiting from the sale, what we did is that early 2016, um, 2015 rather, we what we did is that we decided to have a share incentive scheme and the the idea behind this scheme was basically a number of reasons to engage our staff in the growth of the business for them to become a part of the business and also to buy into the idea of growing the business so that at the end of the day they would be benefiting something so myself and Noel and a few of our senior managers what we decided to do is create this share incentive scheme but it was solely brain the brainchild behind it was really myself and Noel that did this and we drove that and it worked out well because when the sale came through we issued our share letters to all the staff and a lot of them are going to benefit in a huge um, benefit in, in terms of the sale really. it's terrific it, it really is and it it brings everybody into the equation as well which mm-hmm. is, which is wonderful to hear now for, for yourselves um I take it that knowing you are for these last number of years, you're not just going to put the slippers on and put the feet up, Noel. No, that's probably unlikely, Jerry. We have a lot of different projects going <laughs> on. So we obviously have another payments business that wasn't part of the transaction. So PFS was the, the entity that was sold. We still have Ecom Merchant Solutions, which is um, really a startup company. They're only established for three or four years, growing rapidly. We have already have 55 employees under that one. So... You know, the plan would be I'm 100% committed to PFS for the next 12 months. Nothing changes. Business as usual. We continue to grow and develop it. Um, but I guess in 12 or 18 months' time, my focus would probably move to Ecom more. The involvement will continue, as you mentioned, for 12 months. N- nothing beyond that, though. Is there a definitive line there in the sand that you're going to step away? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I'd say, you know, I might be less involved. I'll yeah. still certainly be involved. I don't want to step away. We're a significant shareholder in the enlarged group. 
Uh, so we're still a 5% shareholder now in the overall uh, listed entity on the Australian Stock Exchange still. So it's important that the business continues to thrive and continues to grow. And, you know, we have a target to double what we have today over the next three years. So I, I, I'd certainly still be involved, hopefully for a long time down the line, but maybe just not as involved as I am for the next 12 months. Yes. The, 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 you, you ran into a difficulty in Navin with plans to expand there, your infrastructure and staffing as well. But the, the, that has shifted now. Focus has shifted to Trim. W- yes. Will that happen? The focus has shifted to Trim and we bought a new building in Trim. And that new building, it's still going to happen. We're still moving our PFS staff to Trim. What we are doing is that we're separating the two companies. Ecom will remain at the IDA office park and then we'll move PFS to the new building. The reason behind that was because we then realized the new building in Trim couldn't basically, wasn't, didn't have enough capacity for growth wise. So even if we move, if we moved all two teams or two, two, all two companies, it meant that we would have been running out of space very quickly. So this will continue apace and Absolutely. there's going to be no hold back on no, that with, with no what has happened back. here. Absolutely. In fact, I was at Trim this morning trying to see if ESB can <laughs> connect me up. So I'm still running with that project. Valerie, <laughs> I smile because no matter what uh, you know comes your way in terms of money or that, there's still the day to day. And, you know, trying to get power connected. Don't even Absolutely. go there. That's when. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening today, help these people. They're wonderful. They need connection quickly over there. <laughs> Did you ever believe, like, you know, look at the, your story again, back to it, when you met and began at the kitchen table, as you told me here before, and mm. you know yourself, Noel, you, you you reached a point in your life where one door closed and then you, you went into this type of field yourself. Did you ever re- think in your wildest dreams you'd be sitting here today talking in these terms financially? No, it wasn't in our wildest dream. I mean, we set out to um, open a business and run a business, but to the magnitude it went, we didn't expect that, to be honest. that we, This has been in our wildest dream. Um, when we set out the business, it was obviously to grow the business and also to make a living, really. And then also the vision and the goal to achieve that. That was mainly the focus, um, but it wasn't to this capacity and magnitude. Do you know to come back to Ireland, Noel, when you you meet in London, you set up in London, you're, you know, why would anyone leave the city of London, you know, to come back? Noel, come on, let us in on this one. There's many reasons, I can tell you, Jerry. If you work in London for 10 years, it's nice to come back to some Mm. peace and quiet, to be honest. So there's an awful lot to be said for Ireland and the countryside and and living outside the town. But that was part of it, I guess. We wanted to move home anyway. Well, maybe I wanted to move home more than (laughs) Valerie did. Um, But I eventually persuaded her to come along. So we eventually just decided, well, if we're moving back home, why don't we put some of the jobs back home locally? And it all started off by moving the call centre, um, what, five years ago, four yeah, and a half in years two, ago? In 2014, that's when we decided, let's move the call centre to Ireland because the office space was a lot cheaper than having a call centre sitting in the middle of Regent Street in London. Um, however, then we, we also had another idea. We then decided, listen, we have two parts to our, our e-money licence and we were only using one part of it, which was the issuing side. We then said okay, why not you open up a business on the acquiring side? And that's when we decided to have a new business in Navan. 
e-commerce and solutions. It's perhaps time to tell our listeners, because people will know you from joining me here previously, but just to remind them again what it is. What is the essence of the business that you've just sold? So I suppose two separate parts with the, the business that was sold, prepaid financial services, really as an alternative uh, to banks. We provide alternative banking solutions. So we provide a lot of corporate cards, current accounts. We work on a B2B basis. So we provide and enable, I guess, other brands to launch um, financial services products. In, in a nutshell, that's that's your essence and what you're about. And this Australian company, you mentioned there that you felt it was a fit. Was that important that, you know what I mean, in, in doing this deal, that the fit was absolutely right? Yes, it was extremely important. Um, the idea was not just to go with anyone. It was to go with a company that would complement um, and the synergies would work really. EML are in Australia and the US and we are in the rest of Europe really. So our license really, really complements each other. We want to be a listed company. They are listed on the stock exchange. So therefore, we got the best of both worlds, really. And so did they, really, because we have the license here in Europe and now they have um, a partner in Europe. You... Uh, support young entrepreneurs and it's a fantastic idea your innovation program Noel and I remember the ladies from the Sacred Heart School in Drogheda what was it called Makes Sense Makes Sense yeah you you know they they came in on your program as well will that continue you know your um, you know philanthropy of young entrepreneurs yeah absolutely I hope so it probably gives us a platform now and um you know, the opportunity to actually maybe put more effort and time into that in another 12 months um, a time once we're freed up a little bit more from PFS. So if anything, they're the type of things I'd like to see expanding and, you know, putting more effort and time into it. It's, it's nice to be able to support young entrepreneurs and see them coming up with their own ideas. And, you know, payments is our area. So it was absolutely brilliant to see the girls from Drada coming up with, you know, what was a unique idea in Ireland and is now the only product that's out there for Uh, parents to control tea and spend so you know when you see stuff like that coming up it's very easy fund it and get behind it it's it's a big part of what you both are Valerie and and where you've come from with your own experience yes indeed I mean um Really, to, just to add to the innovation fund, we actually didn't do it in the last year because we were too busy. Mm-hmm. We thought, um, in fact, what we then said is that let's look at 2020 to see where we are, because it, whilst it was great, it took a lot of our time. Yeah. So what we then did is that we postponed it. But it's coming back Absolutely. now with the, the, the new situation Absolutely. as well. And that is wonderful, wonderful here because the, the, the talent is there. Like that, that's quite obvious from what you've experienced. Yes, with it so there far. is. And it was the reason why we want to do it again, because we were pleasantly surprised and it was very refreshing to see all these young entrepreneurial minds that basically need just a lending hand and support. And then that in itself says you say to yourself, oh, my goodness, this is a bright idea. How about if I have help somebody and I help these young people because they're the future employers and they're the future generation so they need someone to help them the Brexit thing you've mentioned a couple of times earlier on and how it impinged on on your transaction that happened recently um what do you make it Noel where it is and it looks like it is going to happen eventually after this election across the water it's very hard to know Jerry even still where it's going to end up you know it probably will happen um, but when is it going to happen? You know, it keeps mm. getting kicked down the road three months, six months. You know, they can't seem to agree anything. 
if you couldn't agree it in two and a half years, what's going yes. to change in the next six months, you know? So I think that's the problem for business people. It's the uncertainty, you know? Mm. People, I think they're sick of listening to it now. To be honest, they don't care which way it goes. I think people will be just happy to see an end to it one way or the yes, other. Yes, to get it done and dusted. there's some certainty around where people stand, you know? But I think what people do miss is that right when this phase is done, then you're into the real <laughs> negotiations. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think where people would like to see themselves is, you know, when you're in business, you want to know how you can direct your business going forward. And this is affecting a lot of businesses out there where it really is causing a lot of uncertainty with the direction of the business. So I would say a lot of business owners in Ireland, in UK and across Europe would like to see an end to it. The fact of bringing your business back as well to Ireland when you did... Mm -hmm. That speaks volumes for a confidence that you both have in Ireland and, and, you know, setting up here and being confident. I know you mentioned the SB earlier on, but, like, you know, in telecommunications connectivity, you know, that you can work from here as easily as you can in the heart of London or New York. Or yeah, yes. absolutely. You know, there's pros and cons with every country, every city, every area you go to, I guess. But, you know, at the end of the day, we do have good infrastructure here in Ireland, certainly in Dublin. and Okay, maybe not so good on the broadband side of things in certain rural areas, but mm-hmm. where we were moving to was specific to Navin and, and the needs we had then were were catered for. We needed a small enough office for people. Okay, when we've got bigger, maybe we don't have the office capacity locally to cater for that, but you know that's something else we'd like to address. So there's huge pros from uh, working in Ireland. We have a low corporation tax regime that's obviously beneficial. Um, when you do start making money. So um, there's a lot of pros, but on the other side, things don't happen as quick as they happen in London. And mm. You know, take your ESB example, as I said, <laughs> that would have been sorted after 10 <laughs> days, you know. And that's just one example. Hey, that look. Hopefully they'll call out to us now tomorrow or the next day. Appealing again here in this public domain to the ESB to get this sorted for these great people. But, you know, you mentioned the corporate tax regime and, you know, they're sniping at us, Valerie, from left, right and centre, from a Europe, from the states and everything that, that has to be a real concern for Ireland if, if, if that were to change the, the, the low copper tax yes it, I'm sure it would it would be an, uh, a huge concern because obviously as a business in itself you know you're meant to uh, if where you can try and gain some income you know it's really beneficial because you can use that income in other directions to guide the business or lead the business so any immediate plans when you get over this next period of time? I know you, you mentioned uh, thoughts that you have for 2020 with the young people and innovation and, you, of course, you'll be continuing in the business. Is that not your bucket list you just want to go and do now? <laughs> well, there's plenty of things, but <laughs> we want to continue doing the projects we've started, first of all. So Valerie is working on two other projects. Obviously, we want to expand the office now in trends, yeah. so... Hopefully we'll be moved into that in about two or three weeks' time. And then there's plans to build an additional office space on top of that, which would cater for up to 750 more. So that's a decent-sized project. And on top of that, we have stuff going on then in Bechtov House as well. So 
There's plenty to keep us occupied <laughs> for the moment. So you're not you? going to just say to them, listen, we're off to Dublin Airport and we're away some far-flung no. place and we'll see you sometime. No, no. That, that's not in our nature. That wouldn't suit us. We will, of course, take a break. But yeah. I think, you know, sitting down and resting on our laurels, that would just not suit us. Besides, we're still a very young couple as well, yeah. you know. Your mind needs to be engaged and you need to be focusing on something else. I think I'd rather pay my en- um so I'd rather use my energy that I have in trying to build something new really to be mm. honest with you Oh you're fantastic and it couldn't happen to two nicer people I'm truly delighted for you Congratulations mm. to you, you both so again much. and Thanks to your so staff much. and all the people involved with you and I know this is the uh, turning of a chapter into a brand new one and we look forward to hearing from you down the road again but for the moment Noel and Valerie Morn thank you so much for joining me on the show Thank Thanks you for having well, us Jerry. Thank, thank you about a year ago, Anthony and Katie Sheehy established a new business called Irish Whiskey Auctions. They're based in Dundalk. They're about a year. So how has the fledgling company fared in its first 12 months? Well, they're back with me on late lunch today and I'm delighted to say hello to them. Anthony and Katie, welcome back to the show. Good to see you both again. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Jerry. Well, Congrats. you're smiling. So that obviously is a little clue to the year. It's been great. It's been fantastic. It's been better than we ever expected it to be and more productive than we ever expected it to be. But uh, hard work, very hard work. But we, we, we've we've achieved a few goals and ticked a few boxes and uh, done a few things that's been great and had a few uh, exceptional um, days out and, oh, and various yeah. things like that as well. Yeah, well, while we're on the days out, tell them. You, you picked up a prestigious award yeah, recently. We we uh, we were contacted by um, the All-Ireland All Business Summit and a uh, foundation and they give us an award for customer service. We're a business all-star. So it's a... Uh, not bad in your first Not year. Not bad in the first year at all. <laughs> so tell our listeners again, remind them, how does this business work? What happens? Okay, essentially, if you have a whiskey that you wish to sell, whether it be an expensive one or a non-expensive one, we can auction it off for you. You contact us, you can bring it to us in Dundalk, you can come meet us, have a chat, you know, and we'll talk to you about the bottle and we'll say whether, you know, it's in good condition, bad condition, if it's worth going into the auction, if you want to like, ask the customer what they want to achieve and if it is achievable and talk to them first and explain to them that not every whiskey, even though they've had it in the press for 40 years, is going to be worth thousands of euros. Yes. Because when a whiskey's put into a bottle, it doesn't get any older. That's so true. Wish it were for ourselves, but unfortunately (laughs) not for mankind. So the idea is you are the repository for the whiskies. You hold them. The auction takes place and people bid on the bottles of whiskey. Now, you have an auction on at the moment. How many bottles have you at the minute? Uh, 748. So it's our biggest ever. It's just over. In the current auction. In the current auction. Ends on Sunday night. And you are holding those bottles at this moment in time. We don't want to want to publicize the fact that we have <laughs> them, but are. yes, we, we the reason we have to have hands on is you have to verify it's legitimate. Um, unfortunately, in the modern world, there's so many counterfeits for various different things, so we have to check and make sure it's a legitimate bottle. Uh, photograph it because that's the one thing that we've sort of stuck our, our, our nailed our, our colours to the mast with is that it's 
100% legit that every bottle that you see on the website is exactly the bottle you will get so we don't use library photographs we've one of the, the because of the growth in the business we now have a full time photographer uh, in uh, in our staff um, and graphic designer and he photographs every single bottle so it's as the bottle you see blemishes and all some bottles will have marks a lot of the new stuff or the really collectible stuff will have specific numbers so the collectors want to see that and that's why so you we have, have to have, have a picture of the number yes you know so that's why you can't use stock photos okay because so, they're like people they're all different oh listen the bona fides of this have to be 110% which they are so people either come to you in the dock drive up or come in from abroad or whatever and they present you with the bottle or they can post, post it to it you we also have we've built up a great one of the things that's happened over the years we've built up a, a fantastic network so that we've got a depot in Dublin we've got a depot in Cork and we've a depot in Belfast as well that people can go into the shop leave the bottle with them they fill in a form with them so they have a copy of the, the document of leaving the bottle with them and then we collect it from there like a collection point so that's another thing we've done so you put the bottle up for auction and people bid on it. So you have buyers and sellers. And obviously you you, you have to make a living out of this. It's a commission-based business, I take it, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, make, we, we charge uh, 10% on top of the, the hammer price when they sell it or when they, the, for Buy the buyer. It. And for the seller, uh, so we charge 5% commission. So okay, so there's expensive. a charge on each side yeah. and, and that helps you to yeah. uh, conduct your business and stay in business and grow and, and develop. In the last year, the most expensive bottle that's been sold at auction with you, how much? The one at the minute. I mean, there's a there's a flag bearer there at the minute, the Middleton Pearl, it's at €15,000 on its own. There's a bid, and I was looking this morning, That that's the biggest so far. Yeah. And hit, that's, hit its reserve. That yeah. is a genuine bid, the reserve price, genuine 15 bid, yeah. Do you think it'll go higher before Sunday? It, it has the potential. I mean, that's one of the rarest bottles of Irish whiskey out there um, it has the potential I mean other guys have sort of said to me possibly up to 18,000 but uh, look we're, we're happy the seller's happy he had his reserve of, of 15,000 so it's hit its reserve so now it's just kicks on from there the way uh, the pattern of our auctions to date have been you have a bit of a flurry of activity when we go live on the Friday over that first weekend you have a few bids yeah. and, and, and a bit of activity Early in this week, it's it slows a little as people are going through, you know, picking out the you bottles. Know, people that are they at like. work as well, so you know they don't have the time to sit and look, and they're just flicking maybe at lunchtime and seeing something, and maybe mm. something will come through here and there. And then well. this weekend, now when the auction ends on Sunday night at seven pm, it, it usually it, is it carnage. Pi- it picks up Friday. <laughs> it gets a wee bit quicker on on Saturday, and then it's bedlam on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> crazy on a Sunday when you think about it Middleton Pearl 30th anniversary 15,000 that's top of the range but there are other bottles there a lot of Middletons a 20th anniversary at 2,500 in 1973 at 2,000 and a dare man Middleton at uh, 1,700 and then you come down to you know Middletons at 175 185 so there's no upper or lower limit really on this no there's not and uh, look Middleton seems to be very prolific in the auctions but I mean for, for many years we only had three distilleries in the country and Middleton were the sort of the blue chip distillery and, that, and that's where most of the stock came out of. But I mean, we've, we've got bottles on the auction for 20 euros and 30 euros and, and 50 euros. I mean, there's probably more sub 100 bottles, euro bottles of whiskey than there are oh, plus 1,000 yeah, no, ones. You know? yes. so it's, it, it, it does. But you know what I'm thinking in today's world where... <laughs> 
banks and financial institutions don't want your cash because there's th it's costing them money now to hold cash for people. But whiskey is an oh, investment. Big, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, now in the last couple of years, there's been more targeting of it. I mean, even from a, an investment point of view, I mean, a lot of the distilleries themselves are setting up funds, or not setting up funds, but setting up programmes that they can get investors involved. Bowen here um, in, in Drogheda, um, Bowen Distillery in Drogheda, they have a, a, a cask ownership programme, uh, Slane, um, GND, all of the distilleries, all the new distilleries. I mean, we went from as I said, seven years ago, we had three distilleries in the country. We now have 27 functioning distilleries and up to 53 coming. Mm. So, so in the future, there's a huge growth yeah. element to this. Yeah. Tell me the story of the Tipperary bottle. Yeah, it was, it <laughs> well, was I a, wasn't involved in this, so I'll let Anthony have this the conversation. Was a good one, yeah. um, a couple phoned me, a lady phoned me and uh, said that she had a bottle, a very rare bottle, and it was... Uh, we, most of the phone calls, and Katie will, Katie will giggle with this one, most of the phone calls we get from people, and you mentioned something as well, is we get a phone call to say, I have a bottle of whiskey. It says very rare on it. And unfortunately, I think it's the greatest misnomer in Irish whiskey. Uh, Middleton branded their packaging called Middleton Very Rare. Now, some of the years they head up to 30,000 bottles, so it's <laughs> not all that rare. Yes. But people have the perception and it's a signed bottle and all that. I mean, the presentation's fantastic. But this lady phoned me up and I thought it was just another one of these phone calls and she said she had a specific bottle. She said she had a 1988 Middleton Very Rare. And my ears pricked up and I went, yes, please. So she said that uh, she somebody had offered her uh, 1,000 euros, 800 euros for the bottle. And I said, don't accept that. I said, that bottle's probably worth about 10,000 euros. And she sort of... Oh, Anthony, such a, such a conversation. Yeah, and she sort of went, you're joking me. And I went, no, no, I'm serious. And she went, no, 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 you're joking me. And I said, no, I'm genuine. The following day, they were from Tipperary. The following day, they arrived up at our door. I think they wanted to... One, check out that we were legit, that we had offices and we weren't just some fellow working out of the back of a van trying to make off with a bottle. So they trusted us, had a work round. As Katie says, a lot, that's what a lot of it is, is, is people trusting us and, and looked at us and met us and talked to us. They left the bottle with us. It went to auction. We uh, It flew the first couple of days, as is the usual pattern, but at the end, it ended up going for €12,000. So that night, she, as the auction ended at 7, I think about 8pm, Yeah, she phoned me, the customer phoned me, in tears. I mean, the only word to describe it is in tears and just couldn't mm -hmm. talk, no, you're messing with me. And I said, no, no, that's that's not real, that's not real. And she said, no, you're messing with me. And I said, no, it's 100%. It's 100% real. 100% <laughs> real. I love it. Can I tell them my little Middleton yeah, yeah. story? Um I had the flu lately. They're probably they're fed up hearing about this. Anyway, it's over now. Grand, <laughs> grand, grand, grand. Honestly. Serious flu or man flu? <laughs> oh, no, seriously. This was a serious bout. Anyway, a friend of mine one night said, have you a drop of whiskey in the house when I was in the throes of this? Uh, and I said, yeah, well, get a little sup and lemon and hot water and take it before you go to bed. It'll help sweat the, the flu thing. Anyway, so I went to the press and I was rooting around and I, there's a Middleton, back to your Middleton, a little timber box with Middleton on it. And sure, I couldn't see another bottle. So I opened it out with the cork into the glass and took me thing anyway. Felt a bit better the next day. But a few days later, I decided to revisit. I knew you were coming here today and have a look at it again. And I took it out and I looked at it and I Googled and I looked and I Googled and I looked and I said... Started to cry. <laughs> 
why did I ever take the cork out of that yeah. bottle? Now, look, it's not a huge amount, but actually, the bottle is, it's a 2003, and it is one of these limited edition ones. I just saw that. There was only so many, and it was in the hundreds, small hundreds of bottles produced. 700 to 1100, it said to me, it would fetch for the bottle. Anyway, it's open now, Anthony, and good health to it. That's the thing. I mean, look, whiskey was meant to be drunk. It yeah, is. Definitely. It is meant to be drunk. It's meant to be a social thing. You're meant to sit and have have it with friends. I mean, more and more people are doing it now. They're sitting, having a drink, enjoying it. It's yes, it's great that you can open and taste all the various whiskies. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is to be drunk. It's not just an ornament. Tell them how many people are walking with you. I know you mentioned the photographer. How many people are with you now? We've now six in total. Yeah, Isn't that a great story? Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's 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 one of the things that we're... Actually, only had a phone call today from... Uh, oh, will I tell him my story about? <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> what? He, come, on, no. come on. Come on, Katie. Let, let him at it. Let him I know. It. He's been doing my head in about oh, well, this. Come on. That's you. We <laughs> don't on, know. Go on. Go on. I got a strange phone call about a month ago uh, and I was asked would I be interested in going to the college DKIT in Dundalk to be a guest lecturer uh, for the business and marketing (laughs) so me being the shy retiring person that I am I said yeah sure that's no problem at all so I went up um, and I was a guest lecturer with the the international uh, marketing students up there at the end of final year Went down a treat. I really loved it. And I love, I was listening to Noel earlier on about the entrepreneurship. And I mean, it's how cultivating stuff like that is is how it works. So, I mean, any time I can give it to shortcut the the journey we've had to to get where we are. But if we can talk to other people. But I went up anyhow and I done that in the lecture and I, I, I spoke about our journey and told everybody like you know we um, I think I've found a name for my book as well I'm going to call myself the accidental entrepreneur and uh, we're going to I'm going to write a book now and everything else and Katie doesn't seem to be impressed but they give me they give me you want to see her face as we sit here in the studio I can only describe it she's looking the other way go on keep talking talking. they give me a certificate to say uh, for participation but I went home and I told them that I was given an honorary doctorate (laughs) so you know Dr Whiskey (laughs) And she's not impressed he with me at all. He hasn't shut up about it since the minute he got it. I love it. Honorary doctor. I love so it. So we have a girl, she rang today and she's a girl coming in for work experience. She's doing marketing and she wants to come in and do work experience with us on Friday again. So like, if we can do stuff like that and, and it's great to have the ideas from the younger people. Oh, definitely. Mm. They, they, social media is the way forward. I mean, social mm. media is all our marketing is nearly all on it. So they, they're better clued in than than, than us old folks. When you talk about that, you know, we, we, we were talking there about the future for Irish whiskey and with all the new distilleries as well. But your business is a worldwide business due to what we're talking about of there. Of the, course, yeah. The internet. You know, and, and it's not just it's not just Irish whiskies that are available on the website. Like we have whiskies from all over the world. We have bourbons from America. We have single malts from, from Taiwan. Taiwan. Beautiful ones. You know, like they Japanese come, whiskey. Exactly, Japanese yeah. whiskies. Like, it's not just Irish whiskey. Now, that's our core base is Irish whiskey. But, you know, there's so much exciting whiskey out there around the world. Yeah. What about cognac? Uh, Margaret's been on to say she has a Martel cognac VSOP, about 40 years old. Would there be any value in... The wood, some of the cognacs, cognacs are now starting to become collectible as well. Um, the the thing, and again, you, you, you touched on it there, is people's perception of it's 40 years old. It's sort of not. Yes, it might have been bought 40 years ago, but the problem is there's no lineal 
connection between how old something is and the value it has. So we've had bottles that are we've had bottles that are older than the Irish state. Yeah. I mean, from the pre, but they're probably only ten-year-old whiskey that's actually physically in, in the bottle. Aye. And then itself, its value would only be five, six hundred euros. Whereas the pearl that we talked about, I mean, the pearl was was bottled in two thousand and fourteen, so it's only five years old essentially in the in the market now. The whiskeys in it are, could be up to thirty years old, yeah. but it's only five years old. I mean, if you had bought that Middleton pearl in two thousand and fourteen, six thousand euros, it's now worth fifteen thousand euros. Ooh, now you're talking about investment. There is. Where would you get a return like that? Nowhere. No, the banks at the minute. I mean, that's we're getting phone calls, and it's great that we are becoming the sort of go-to people for for whiskey, and yeah. people are, are ringing us up and asking our opinions on various things. A lot of the casks, a lot of the, the distilleries do cask programs, as I said. So people now have they own a cask of whiskey. What do they do with it? What are their options? Can they sell it? Do they bottle it? If they bottle it, what can they do with the bottles and 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 all of that? But also other people are coming at us, going, look, I. I want to invest. I, I want to get on board this train and sort of see where it's going to go. And I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a very easy thing to get in, invest in because there's no forms. There's nothing else. You buy something. You take it home. You put it in your own house. It's there for you. You own it. If you want to get out of it, you can sell the whiskey very easily. So you can free up the money fairly easily. Whereas you know, you go to a bank and you go to a saving scheme, and yeah. it can take months and months to get Notice your money back accounts, out of it. Notice accounts, yeah, exactly. yeah. this type of yeah. thing as well. Who, who typically are your customers, buyers, sellers? Are they the individual, like the lady in, uh, in Tipperary, people like that, or are you collectors? Are they big part of what you do? It, it's a mix of everything, you know. Uh, we do have guys that come down to us who only, you know, the same as yourself, had been given gifts and had heard about us somewhere and they wouldn't maybe drink it or stuff like that and want to know sort of what to do with it. So, again, it's put into the auction and that could be just a one-off. And then we have um, guys who have have large collections and are maybe trying to clear a bit of room for, say, something else that they're going to start collecting. Uh, because if you think of Middleton's, like there's been a bottle of Middleton very rare since 1984 and they have one out every year. So somebody has all them bottles somewhere at home and they need the room because the collection's getting bigger. Yes. And then you have guys over in China and all that sort of, who are trying to get their hands on Irish whiskey. Okay. And they can't get it there and they're sort of coming to our websites as buyers. And then America, America as well, yeah, you know. Huge, it's Huge buyers in America now at the minute. I mean, one guy in, in one of the auctions, he cumulatively spent 30000 Um Yeah, so, so it's, it's a bit of everybody. Like, it's not, I just want to stress, it's not just for big, mad, expensive bottles of whiskey. Uh, we actually had a, a lovely couple a couple of months back who had called up to us um, and they had been given a bottle of whiskey every Christmas because I, th- her husband, I'm not going to name names, is he, was he was in the building trade. And, and he was getting a bottle, as you do. Like, you know, the bin man got one and everybody got one years ago. But as it turned out, neither of them drank. <laughs> 92 uh, bottles. So they came down to us and had 92 <laughs> bottles. <laughs> And they're, they're, you know, like they're standard bottles some of, them, of Paddy yeah, and Jemison. And some of them are worth a bit more, but they are just your average mm. 30, 40 euro bottles of, of brandy. 
and whiskey and it's for everybody it's not just for expensive collectors and and the, 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 when they turn into selling it now I mean you know 30 40 euros per bottle and they did 90 bottles it adds up it gives them it pays for a holiday for tomorrow it certainly it does are you into champagne no no, no. It's, we, we don't have enough knowledge of it and sorry Terry Terry was on there but a half bottle of Charles Heidsieck champagne appointed by His Majesty King George dated 1921 do check that out do you know what I mean when you mention the date there and what it yeah. is it's worth going to somebody who knows yeah, about we, it we don't have enough knowledge and, and the yeah. thing about wines and, and champagnes and that, if they're not stored correctly they can spoil very easily and we just wouldn't have a Absolutely. Anyway, wish you well. You're a great story a year on. What a success you both are. Delighted for you. And just reminding, the current auction finishes on Sunday. Sunday. 7pm. Irish Whiskey Whiskey Auctions. auctions. And you can go online, you can phone, you can come and meet us in... In wherever you want wherever you want yeah most a lot, lot of things is, is people discovering as you said you had the bottle put away <laughs> I'll keep that for a good occasion and then finding out that good occasion could, could have been a, a nice holiday or don't a weekend don't get away. the flu don't <laughs> get the flu keep your whiskies. listen lovely to see you again best nice, wishes sorry. to you going forward Anthony and Katie Shee thank you for joining me there's only one way to finish this interview let's be having you Phil Time for one of our regular features on Late Lunch and it ties into that. It's been business all the way here since half one but it's fantastic to reflect on wonderful local success stories. We were in Mead to start off into North Loud just a few moments ago at Irish Whiskey Auctions and we're in South Loud Drogheda now for the next while. I want to welcome to the show a lady I met many moons ago and she's going from strength to strength. Gillian Moore is here from Fusion Makeup. Also joining us as usual is Brendan Casey, Innovation and Enterprise Manager with The Mill in Drogheda and Irene McKeown is here, Office Manager with The Chamber but really the boss of everything. Is that all right, Irene? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's that's, that's okay. (laughs) She really is. You're all welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Well, well, Gillian, may I be the first to wish you a happy birthday for the business. Tell them how many years. My eldest child, yes, Fuchsia, is 14 on Friday. Hard to believe there, Jerry. My firstborn started here. (laughs) Grassroots in in Drada, yeah, and we've, we've gone... On a pretty much a roller coaster ride since then, mm. but it's definitely going from strength to strength. 2005 and beyond, it was a challenge and a half for you. You had actually a concept, hadn't you, of a, a retail sort of rollout initially? 
we saw a gap in the market. That's just being fair. So we saw a gap in the market for a services-based, uh, customer experience-based uh, makeup sanctuary for Drogheda. So there was nowhere. It's very hard if you cast your memory back to, you're not a woman, so you may not be too familiar with it. But there now there's a lot of makeup artists. The market is, there's plenty of makeup artists out there to choose from. If you want to go and get yourself jazzed up on a Friday or a Saturday, there's plenty of places to go. But back then in Drogheda, there really wasn't anywhere. So we, we did spot a really cool gap in the market and we went for it with, with with uh, with Fuchsia and I suppose we started out as as uh, in the retail uh, sector and that's really what we were geared towards and then shortly after I opened I like to think it was like you know a few moments really seconds after we launched the recession hit mm-hmm. so we had to find a way through the recession and we just had to change our business plan our business model and to be fair um really going through the recession and having to fight my way through that and and really it was it was very much a roller coaster and that was that that period during the recession how we managed to stay alive then has really given us the tenacity to get to where we are at the moment because we really are grafters we're we're we're, we're a fab company i have the best team an amazing team of, of people and they're all incredibly loyal and the business uh started out in drogheda i wouldn't be here without the people of drogheda they're phenomenal and obviously the people of Louth in general who really got behind me really supported me the chamber were amazing uh, we just we just had a, a a lovely loyal support from everyone around us, and then we decided then we'd venture out into the. Uh, world of pharmacy and salon. So instead of becoming an, uh, an owner-operator of all my stores, I now have 400 stockers across Ireland. And uh, at the beginning of next year, we're going further afield. So it's a really exciting time for us. So you had to rock and roll or swing with the times yeah. and change pretty quickly because, as you said, you had a concept of rolling out retail yeah. and then you had to become business to business as such. Yeah, because we... Uh, and to be fair, that's the best thing that ever happened to us. But back then, it didn't appear to be the best thing because yeah. we were funded and we were backed by banks and everything else. So we were funded to take this brand to 20 locations around Ireland and it's probably the recession was the best thing that ever happened to us because it enabled us to become more nimble as well it enabled us to be a little bit more of an indie brand so we could never we could never compete with the large multinationals that are out there and still can't so we're still an indie brand we're still a, a small Irish company forging our way through the fabulous support of the likes of McCabe's Pharmacy Group Macaulay's Pharmacy Group like there's plenty of pharmacy chains that support us and independence and we're really lucky that North Road Pharmacy has just uh, become our baby so we have uh, North Road just out the way have taken on a concession so now they're a fully fledged fuchsia uh, location in Drogheda that do make up applications mm. in store so it's really handy for all our customers that there's so many touch points for fuchsia in Drogheda now between between them and Scotch Hall uh, we, we, we have both sides of the town covered which is great You, you mention again the people you surround yourself with you've mentioned your team there yep. and, and how important they've been to you that's critical isn't it that the right people that you have that synergy that you know that mix oh it's paramount Jerry like to be fair the the someone once said to me that the fun is in the chase you know we're all the time striving to get to target to get to target to get to target to get to to, to get to the goal so to speak but when you get to the goal there's really no you know you're there and you're like oh the fun is in the chase and it's only fun if you're chasing with the right people and the people I have the people who are with me we just have great crack together and without crack there's just no joy in life because as I said you're always striving to get to a goal and then when you get to that goal it's kind of anticlimactical you know because, yeah. so it's always we try to have as much fun as we can and um, they're brilliant they're loyal uh, they're dedicated and they're all in it we're all in it together so we're so, in it So you are saying to me that despite all the pressure and the, the targets you have and to drive the business on that it's important for everybody to enjoy the trip 
I have to have the crack. Sure, if there's, if there, but sure, what's it all about? Otherwise, you're just getting out of bed every day to the same humdrum. There has to be a bit of crack. You're my kind of woman. I love to hear this because, look, fun is, is such a big part of what we do here as well, I have yeah. to say. And if you don't have that, it, it can be tough out going. Uh, it's hard. Like, it, yeah. And don't get me wrong. It's, you know, we're not all a barrel of laughs every day, Jerry. <laughs> but we do try and come in. We do, we do try and leave. There's a, you know, we all are dealing with an immense amount of crap in our own personal lives. But we do try and park it when we come to work because... Mm. It is, you know, and that doesn't happen all the time. There are certain days where you just can't lift your head off the floor. But, you know, in the main, we, you know, we've just have a good work ethic and a good work ethos. Mm. And, and you know, when we're striving towards something, if it doesn't work, we are all, we all stand back and evaluate and we always just change our approach. So the goal never changes, but our approach changes. And my team will tell you my approach changes every five minutes, but <laughs> our approach changes <laughs> upon evaluation, definitely weekly, if not, if not, uh, if not more frequently. Well, you know, what I'm just buzzed up thinking about Fuchsia and when I hear you speak and getting a picture of what it, it's like Brendan when you when you listen to uh, Gillian talk to us about you know aspects of her business having to change quite quickly as she set out on this road that whole thing you know of of having fun you know you, your experience what, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, listening and uh, talking to Gillian here, you can you can see how enthusiastic she is about the business. And so, you know, what's the point in setting up your own business if it's humdrum, you know, if it's not exciting, if it's not fun? You know, as she said, every day is not going to be fun. And I suppose, you know, in the Mill Enterprise Hub, we have a lot of different businesses. And I... I think it will probably be similar to Gillian. You need other people to bounce ideas off. You need, I think she has a network of mentors of people that you can speak to because every day is not going to be fun. Uh, but, you know, if you can lead from the front, um, you know, if you can pick it up when needed, you know, that's the crucial part of it. But otherwise, you know, you might as well work for somebody else. You know, if it's not fun, yes. there's, there's no point. You, you, you'll do it for a certain length of time, but you'll never scale up the way Gillian is scaling up and growing a business because, uh, you know, you do, your heart won't be in it. You mm. know, so it just doesn't work. So that's it's a key a, element to any business, yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Startups, any, yeah. you know, business that are yeah. there a while long term. Yeah. Enthusiasm is, is crucial. You know, if you don't have the enthusiasm, <laughs> You know, she was talking. Gillian was talking about building a team. You know, you need that enthusiasm to to, to build and grow your team. Um, you know, the last people you want to be surrounded with are people in bad moods, especially in the customer service. You know, and, and that and you know we're good at customer service in Drogheda, but I think uh, you know Fuchsia are particularly good at it. And I think it's something to be blunt that we still need to work on. Um, you know, when it comes to it. Uh, tourism when it comes to retail things are changing the whole time and uh, I know from the chamber perspective and I think Gillian would have worked with Linda in the skill nets who's very involved in the health and beauty side you know so getting that training and upskilling for customer service and tourism it's really important, but for Drogheda, it's going to be you know tremendously important in the next five years as we try to develop the retail, try to develop town centre, try to develop the tourism sector. Uh, so that's something that we really have to get right uh, in the next coming years. Irene McKellen's with us. Welcome to the show, Irene. You're sitting Thank there you, listening uh, intently to what uh, Gillian has to say. Um, what do you make of the, her success and where she is today and 14 years on? Well, now, Jerry, um, I met Gillian some years ago and um, got to know Fuchsia quite well by going in for a, a little visit and a, 
a little facelift at, at times, but certainly um, she has grown um, over the years. And to mention the amount of business awards this lassie has won is colossal. I mean, we're talking 19 so awards <laughs> over the years. And that is no small feat at all. And you're looking at um, things like new business, SMEs, newcomer of the year, sales and marketing, retail. Uh, There's a whole host of awards in there, well-deserved. You can see how um, Gillian has developed the company and grown and has a good product. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing about it, a a strong product there as well. But that speaks volumes in itself, that in all those categories she's won through the years, it shows a progression as well. Absolutely, yeah. And it's great because that's what we at the Chamber strive to do, is to encourage business, to grow business and to make Drawda a better place to live and work. And we're all for encouraging business. Mm. And um, if you like, Fuchsia have been one of those that have supported us over the years between sponsorship and part of our affinity scheme, which gives us a discount to all our members. And it's a, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, so it's a two-way process. Let's not crack up retail to be something that it's not. This is a challenging environment you're operating in. Absolutely, it's very challenging. And I suppose the, the challenges that we're facing are that retail uh, changes daily. Like it's really, at times it can feel like quicksand underneath your, your feet, but it's great. We're nimble enough, we're small enough that we can adapt to that. So we still have a dual a, a dual focus, as, as I told you, a dual strategy for our business, which is the retail operation that we work out of Scotch Hall on, which was my baby, my first launch. And then from that, then we have um, a wholesale business, which we... we distribute the brand through pharmacy and salon across the country but re- you know retail is very difficult uh, it's a very difficult trading time and I don't think there's any retailer that will sit in front of you that will say they're up on last year without you know very much uh, blood sweat and tears that have gone into ensuring that their you know that their marketing spend has increased that their you know return on investment from that is, is high like it's just a very challenging time in a retail perspective Is there a future for high street retail? Because when you see central London struggling never mind our own towns Dundalk Drogheda Navin, etc. You know, trying to get the formula right in our big towns in the northeast. Is there a future? There is. There most definitely is. Customer experience. It's, it's all very much driven by customer experience. They still want to, from a makeup perspective, they still want to touch and feel. And whilst there's a lot of business done online, both both retail and, and my trade business, uh, in terms of my pharmacy groups, would all have their own online business. Everybody has an online business to support their initially that's how it started your online business supported your, your bricks and mortar but now it's the other way around you know your bricks and mortar is supporting your online channels and uh, but there de- very much is like I can't see I can never see where we're going to live in a virtual world where everything is online uh, in, in my mind that doesn't exist women still love getting out they still love touching things they still love feeling things and they still love treating themselves and for us we still provide that treat so it's about just upping our customer experience which is why we're trying to offer uh, sorry I'm not wedging my way in here, but we're trying to expand our suite of services. So we're trying to introduce into Scotch Hall things that um, you can't buy online. So we're, we're, we're opening up a brow hub, a really, you know, cool brow hub. We have some phenomenal... Um, things coming down the tracks from 2020 on in terms of services that we're going to be adding in addition, uh, teaching services and stuff like that into Drogheda. So there's an awful lot happening for us. But again, it's about changing our model and we've constantly had to adapt mm. and constantly had to change in order to survive. I so hope you're right because <laughs> I I don't want to live in a time where there is not retail and I can't go into a shop and I can't lift and fit on and touch. I'm just saying that maybe it's just my era that I'm reflecting there. Just before I come back to Brendan and, and Tyreen, um, 
work-life balance. You are a woman who's driven. I can see that. You're passionate about what you do. You've grown this baby for 14 years now. How important, though, is that? Your family, downtime, vis-a-vis the business? I know, it's really important. So I've, I've, I'm very lucky. I have, I have three kids and, and, a, and a dote of a husband. So I, uh, my eldest son is almost 11 and my baby's three. Like, you know, so it, it's full on, flat out. Uh, uh, oh, only the other day, mommy, I have a headache in my belly. I, I do love them ones, the headache in the belly. <laughs> Uh, and then you're, you know, you're, you're due for a meeting, but there's a vomit bug uh, traveling through the house. Like, so, you know, I'm no different to any working mum out there, but it is, it's very difficult to get the balance. But at six o'clock um, every day, I have to down tools to do homeworks and everything else. So, you know, I'm home, I'm home by six, but it's, it's kid time. And then the one thing I don't compromise in, on is the school run. So I, I drop the kids to school every day because we have to crack and we have our three things to be grateful for every morning in the car and uh, that's become a tradition now since they were all small so uh, I, that's one thing I don't compromise on so I drop from school and I'm there for homework and, and then I'm there all weekend so it's good When you hear that you, you hear it's, it's life for all of us isn't it Brennan? Like that's the reality for people in business running business It, it is um, and to be honest it is different now I worked at home for myself for five years as well so I had to do some of that juggling as well but I think inevitably females take on a greater responsibility. Um, you know, we have a female program called Illuminate, and it'd be quite common. You know, it's it's quite different. Uh, the you know growing a business as a female can be different. You know, and one thing the reason we set up Illuminate was that uh, a lot of females weren't actually scaling their businesses. So it wasn't like Gillian is a great example of somebody doing that, always looking at new avenues. But a lot of times you'll see female-led businesses just stick with one or two employees, and uh, we want to get by. Bypass that, but work-life balance is crucial, and I think uh, you know we've spoken about it before, Jerry. Here, you know, commuting, you know, whatever about doing the school run, you know, uh, from Termon Fecking up the road or wherever it is, you know. But if you're trying to get up to Dublin, it's just impossible, and you're doing twelve-hour days, and you know. So the more people we can get working locally the better it is for everybody. Here, here we say right across the northeast. Aaron, before we finish, the night of glamour and glitz and fuchsia makeup in abundance all round the City North Hotel this Saturday, the annual business awards. You're delighted with the response. Absolutely, Jerry. It's an amazing night. Uh, it's our night of the year from the Chamber but the amount of businesses we have this year is colossal. We had an enormous amount of entries this year. A lot of new um, um, categories open which broadened the horizon plus we're looking at not just the Drada Business Excellence Awards anymore we're looking at uh, the Business Excellence Awards Northeast region and it has opened the doors to other businesses to come and tell us what they do opportunity for people to uh, showcase their business and to reap the rewards of that um, a huge amount of people coming over 400 it's it's going to be a great night it is it's the uh, biggest the Oscars night of the oh, year when it comes to, to the business <laughs> Gillian of course has experienced it many times in the past listen it's been great to have you all in with us today again to focus on another business again well done to your 14 years on it's just oh, a great listen. great story oh, <laughs> not without that roller coaster Jerry. <laughs> well, well let me say you're looking well in it you really are you really are congratulations Thank you, Jerry, the makeup, and us. you're a wonderful success story and continued success to you. And uh, Brendan Casey, thank you again, thank Innovation you and Enterprise you. Manager at the Mill. Thank you for joining us on the show. And good luck with Saturday and everything else, the Christmas lunch and everything in the chamber. Irene McKeown, thank you all thank indeed. You, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry.
Oh, Costa go Costa le Hector TG Car de Jergin le Hukturation on Tarn Farm self on the line. Hector, good afternoon. How's it going, Jerry? All right? All right, indeed. You've had a little break. You've been in Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi. A little bit of break on the airwaves, but you're back tomorrow in Louisiana. We're in deep Louisiana. I suppose every state is like a different country. We're on a 5,000-mile journey on TG Car all the way through Christmas. Every Thursday night is a different world, and this is the world of Louisiana. It's getting hotter. It's getting sweatier. <laughs> it's getting, uh, it's getting swamp, swampier. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot more camouflage and guns as we go south. So uh, it's a different world. It really is. The Bible Belt of Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia, the Trump Triangle is gone now. We're moving down into the swamps towards New Orleans, towards the Gulf of Mexico. And then we cross over into Texas, which is 10 times the size of Ireland, on into the deserts of New Mexico, Arizona and across into California. It's an epic journey and I think people are enjoying it. Oh, it's been really, really well received. I was just looking at Louisiana. Hell of a mix of people, French, Haitian, Spanish, African and the Native American. Yeah, it's a melting pot, I suppose. The interesting thing I found out is that hundreds of thousands of people came in from Ireland to the port of New Orleans. Traditionally, I thought it was just New York and Boston. But the port of New Orleans has been uh, accepting immigrants for, for hundreds of years, Italians and Spaniards and French and the Irish, and the English, and the Scots. So there's an, there's an Irish quarter in New Orleans. It's a, it's a really interesting part of the world. Um, rural Louisiana, the cities are, cities are very similar in a lot of ways. But once you get out into the bayou, once you get out into places like Baton Rouge, you start feeling the real Louisiana, and it's an incredible, incredible state. Do you know we have an impression of the states created by that man that's in the White House, unfortunately, and everything that goes on around and that circus online every day. But you've been down there with the people. What do you make of them? The, the, the thing about it is, what we see at 9 o'clock on, new, on, on RT News, whatever news you want to get, whatever feed you get, what you see of Trump and what, we, and what the reality is over there are probably two different things. Yes, he's a liar. Yes, he's a bully. Yes, he's sexist. Yes, he's everything like this, but he's an incredibly popular politician in certain pockets of America. He knows how to manipulate his audience. He knows how to manipulate the voters. He said he'd do certain things, and down the south, they love him. And there are tens of millions of people that voted for him, especially in the southern states, because they were fed up with the Clinton dynasty. They were fed up with Barack Obama pushing middle, middle-income America, and they wanted something different. And most of his groundswell of support is in the south. Um, and it's a unique part of the world. I felt as if I was a million miles from Central Park, a million miles from Chicago, and a million miles from Boston, in another world. And Trump is number one down there. They love the Lord. They love Trump. They love their guns. They love their hunting. And, you know, as it changes then when we get into Texas. Texas is ten times the size of Ireland. But Donald Trump is certainly doing what an awful lot of Americans like. And when they like him, it doesn't matter who's in the White House once the economy is doing well. There you go. So on the ground is popularity holds high, and of course the election absolutely. coming next absolutely. year. Mm, absolutely, I think he's. I think he's a shoe in. I think he's an absolute shoe in. I don't. Who, who else is going to win there? There you go. If you want an old wager, you heard Hector today on late lunch. Go for it. He's a shoe in. The man himself says it. I don't, be- know, I, I don't know what price he's. You're not going to the one Donald Trump is going next. You know, well, it's just interesting. It's just interesting that um, that is the way things are, and. Uh, whether we like it or not, 10 years ago, if I told you Donald Trump would be the president of America, 
you'd probably laugh at me. We'd all laugh, but we'd say the same thing about Boris. Yeah, that's true. And I... I, I, I strange times. Yeah, strange times. And I, I remember when he was mooted first. You're dead right. You could have got any money on him. You probably won't get it today because it'll be a, a, a very close run thing one way or the other. Yeah. And you say he is the favourite at the moment. Tell me this about uh, Louisiana. I was just looking. You mentioned the guns and they love it and that their highest homicide rate in the US in Louisiana. Did you ever feel uh, a little uneasy or were you comfortable in your skin? No. Oh, it's when when these statistics come up, I suppose that this I've heard a statistic recently. There's 400 million guns in circulation in America. They have an extreme problem with it, with the NRA and and the way a lot of people have guns, the way a lot of people want to defend themselves through the Second Amendment, that they have the right to bear arms and defend them and their property. Some people are against it, some people are for it. The problem in America is that gun is falling into the wrong hands, and when a gun is in the wrong hands, it's a very dangerous thing. We saw it. With your man holed up in a in a hotel in Las Vegas, shooting at a crowd at a country and western concert mm. last year, we saw it in El Paso, in a in a Walmart that we were in six weeks later. Uh, that that was a mass shooting. The shootings are a terrible sight, a terrible indictment, a terrible thing that's happening all the time in America. America is an extremely brilliant, beautiful, incredible place, but it's got an extremely volatile, it, it's got a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. Not only race problems, not only poverty, there's just a lot of inequality, there's a lot of anger, and there's a lot of extreme stuff happening, and extreme terrorism as well, and we've seen that in the streets in Europe, we've seen it in, in London, we've seen, it's just a mad place at the moment. There seems to be all these mad stuff happening. Uh, did, we feel, did we feel threatened or did we feel insecure? No, but uh, guns are normality down the south, whether you like it or not. The hurricane we remember, Katrina, it's back in 2005. 2005, we've moved a bit away from that, but that left an incredible mark. 10,000 people perished in Hurricane Katrina. It's the Mississippi Delta, the big, one of the biggest rivers in the world. A third of America is drained by this incredible river. When you stand on the banks of the Mississippi, you can't see across. It goes for miles and miles and miles. It's a huge river. And all the way down into the Gulf of Mexico, right at New Orleans. New Orleans is on a peninsula with the Lake of Pontchartrain on one side of it, a lake almost the size of Leinster. So there's water all around New Orleans. The levees broke, it flooded, and an awful lot of poor working-class people in New Orleans perished. I think that it was closer to 10,000 people lost their lives mm. in Hurricane Katrina. And I sat with the general on the show on Thursday night, the man who got the phone call from the White House to say, deploy the army. He picked up a phone and deployed 55,000 soldiers, aircraft, everything into this war zone, which was a rescue zone. And he wanted to save New Orleans. He wanted to save the people. And he got, I think he shifted 350,000 people in six days out of danger of New Orleans. It only, it's only when we, when, we, when we can understand the power of Mother Nature. And down south, twisters, tornadoes, storms. Hailstones the size of tennis balls. They've got, it's an extremely volatile area in summer with high, high temperatures where you could be watching a film and there's a temperature warning that it will touch 50 degrees, 50 degrees centigrade. Then you'll also get weather warnings when you're on your radio in the Jeep. The, the weatherman, who is very, very important, and the local radio station, local TV station, is very important giving local news because weather in the States, and especially at the South, is life and death. And next week in Texas... I meet a young kid who drives, uh, I think it's a Ford-type Mondeo car. He's made a, a specially designed chicken grill rack roof 
so he can drive into these hurricanes, drive into these twisters. He's a storm chaser. He's got all his laptops in front, all his cameras. He drives into the world's biggest storms, and then he sells his footage right there and then back to his agent. He's a storm agent, and then the storm agent sells his footage to all the TV channels. Isn't that incredible? What an incredible bloke that is. And that's just a taster for what's coming. Before we finish, tell me this. You've been uh, all over from east to west in the southern states. What about the food? What did you enjoy most? I thought you were going to say, what about the fly? <laughs> Don't worry. The fly's history, I thought Hector. you were going to say, what about the fly? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never forget two years of the flat. Ah, oh, it was great. It was great. And you saw it yourself. What a time it was for the place. It'll be. It'll never be forgotten. But here, come back to me, stomach. The food, food. The food. The food. I'll tell you one thing, right? And this is America. Food, they like it southern fried down there. I was dying for some eggs some mornings. If I see another chicken wing, and if I see another burger with blue cheese dressing, and if I see another Starbucks, and if I see another Wendy's burgers, and if I see another Taco Bell, I'll go off me rocker. <laughs> America, America is one big drive through They like it big, they like it quick, and by God, you can get it big and quick in the States. Would you, uh, what's the name of the place on the hill in Navin, the chipper? I'm trying to think of it here. Um, oh, the, no, valley. the Valley. The Valley. Oh, Hector. No, when you, when you go into the valley, you get a lovely fresh cotton chips, and I like <laughs> swimming in vinegar. <laughs> you were dream, what dreaming about the one, of it. What about the Genoa? What about the Genoa Gaul in Strada? Uh, Lovely as well. Oh, Hector. Yeah, the few there when you were over for the flower, I'm sure. Yeah. Beautiful. I was down at the, um, at the right on the corner. What do you call it? The, 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 the tourist building right Yes, the, uh, the Tulsal. Yeah, the Tulsal. So that was where I was for two years, for four nights, three hours a night. And, you know, every Saturday night was tradition. We'd order a load of fish and chips for all the crew and the chips would come in at about half ten live on TG Car into the toaster. About 40 bags of chips and a load of vinegar and the smell stank the whole place. But by God, they were finished. There wasn't one left. Do you know what I'm for when I get out of this chair in about 30 seconds? I'm hitting the Genoa. You put the goo on me. Hector, thanks for joining us. Good luck with the series. Just reminding everybody, tomorrow night, Thursday, half past nine, TJ Cahar, and every Thursday from now till Christmas. You're a great one. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk to you in LMFM. Gurumila Magi, mass more. Slán gafold. Gurumayagut. That's Hector O'Hookagan there and his series. Brilliant. O'Costa Gokosta, TJ Cahar, de Jergin, La Hukteresh Eni. That's a lot on late lunch for this Wednesday afternoon. Eddie's coming next with the drive, and we'll see you tomorrow at half past one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.